Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I've tried to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This episode, it's Animal Farm. My name's Dan, and my feet aren't that much smaller than Larry Bird's. (laughs) My name is Jeff, and Dan and I ate barbecue next to D-Generation X's The Road Dog. My name is Jimmy, and I got dumped at junior prom. Oh, Oh, I didn't know that. That that's dark. <laughs> Dan's like my feet, and I'm like wrestlers, yeah. and you're like, I don't sadness. even. I don't even know how it happened, which is kind of funny because wow. me and that girl are kind of friends again now, and mm. we're just kind of like, what happened? And then we're not completely sure. So is it back? But on? she dumped no. you. Yes. Oh, oh man! Like at the dance. Well, it was kind of like we were we were just kind of like hanging out, and then she just I was kept on asking her to dance. She was like, "Nah," and then a bunch of other girls were dancing with me, and which was awesome because a lot of them were like super hot. Um, <laughs> so well, I this mean, story's turning around. I kind of <laughs> like this story. Now. So yeah, that that part was was nice, but uh, yeah, I, I was I was dumped after like a seven month relationship. Sad Jimmy is sad. Wow, yeah. but now we're friends again. So who cares? <laughs> So we don't have any current reviews, ratings, emails, or tweets, but you guys should all send them in to us because we're going to read them here and you guys are going to get super internet famous. Right, Jeff? I will remember you for a day. I will remember you. Okay, anyways. Please, we can't keep singing. You need to send in (laughs) reviews, ratings, emails, tweets, and also you should subscribe to us so you never miss a moment of our singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the part of the show where we're talking ourselves into things, where we're talking about what we're going to talk ourselves into. Just a self-care, self-help little segment of the show. Self-love. Self-love. Just treat yourself. Yeah. Treat yourself. So this week, I'm talking myself back into grilling whoa yeah i didn't know you were a grill guy oh i love grilling he's a griller yeah i know it it's so good i mean chill griller it's so easy just to throw on a couple hot dogs and then get a nice little char on there let me tell you something about my chili dog diet (laughs) jeff's publishing a book called the chili dog only diet so off mic i realized that i eat chili dogs more than people should be eating chili dogs um so, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of chili dogs. That's wrong. <laughs> what do you put on your wiener? Uh, it's usually ketchup and mustard. Ketchup? What yeah. are you, nine? See, yeah. a lot of people say that. I defend the ketchup. There's nothing wrong with ketchup on Ketchup's a hot dog. Good. It's not my top condiment, my go-to wiener dressing, but I'm, I don't see what's wrong with it. Yeah. Well, listen, Jim. Yeah. I like the grilling. Yeah. Keep it up. So it's great. It's great. I'm going to I'm going to try and get some steaks maybe this weekend mm. and make a I just filled up the gas tank so we're all good. So I'm a consummate griller. I was a griller before I was a cook. Yeah. 
And I'm not either of these professionally. It's just in my heart. Yeah. So if you need any advice, tips, suggestions, oh, yeah, hit sure. me up. Yeah, I love growing. I think we can all agree it's probably the best way of, of cooking. Uh, I'm going to go with sous vide. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Grilling's awesome. Yeah. Dan, what are you talking yourself into this week? I'm trying to talk myself into traveling more. Okay. Where? Uh, well, eventually on a global scale. Oh. But short term within the United States. Okay. Um, basically, two separate people in my life have told me very like inspiring stories about how traveling and seeing more of the world and, and primarily seeing how people live in different parts of the world under different circumstances has really changed their worldview and really helped them to empathize with people that are in mm. you know situations that are not as fortunate as we are in. So, yeah, I just realized that so like you're gonna go build houses in Haiti or you're doing it for fun? Like I don't why know. do you want to travel? For all those reasons I just said. Okay. Uh <laughs> no, I mean I certainly have also stepped my volunteer game up, but I'm not gonna like brag about what I do, but that's a big part of my life already. But I, I would like to think more globally and less locally. Yeah. And I think a good way to expose myself to that is by actually seeing it. Yeah. I think that I spend a lot of money on dumb, frivolous things. And if I just save some of that money, I could probably do like one big trip a year. For sure. And I've never met someone who traveled somewhere and like hated it or regretted going. I have. <laughs> Let's no, it doesn't surprise no, me. No, uh, at work, somebody in another department who sourced stuff from China uh, went to China on work and they sent them with their spouse. And I was like, wow, my company's actually paying for a spouse to go with them. And they came back and they're like, oh, I hated the food. And I was like, how, how, I would kill to go to China. And okay, eat some well, food. that's why I don't know that person. I wouldn't know someone who felt that well, way. Well, no, I know. And I'm like, what did you eat? Oh, we went to this this American place and their burgers were terrible. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah you are in China. You're, you're proving my point here. Like, if you open yourself up to the saying. ways of the world, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I know someone who just recently got back from India, okay. another person, Thailand. And uh, I really want to do stuff like that. I'd like to see Asia. I've never been there. And I'd like yeah. to see more of Europe. Uh, my first big trip, though, I've already started to plan is uh, I may have mentioned on the podcast already, but I'm, I'm going to take a train uh, down south, see more of the country. Uh, I've always wanted to do that. So that's in the near future. But eventually I'm going to travel, dude. I'm going to do it. I like it. I think everybody should travel and see the world. Yeah. Jeff. I forgot who's already gone and who has to go. <laughs> it's Jeff's turn. Okay. Jeff, what are you talking yourself into this I'm week? I'm talking myself into something that Dan does regularly. Ooh, showering. <laughs> Almost, not quite there. No, you're not there yet. And you've talked about it on this podcast many times, and it inspired me to go to the library. Oh, oh. I like it. I like it. Uh, while planning for uh, future episodes, there's some books on the list way back when, like Animorphs, this yeah. episode Animal Farm. Uh, maybe some stuff in the future that we're not going to reveal quite yet. But I was like, I live in a, a major metropolitan area. You do. I could walk to the library. <laughs> it's probably a really good library, too. I've never and, been. But. And downtown New Haven in the midst of Yale, which is this little college that you, <laughs> you might may have heard of. of. <gasps> <gasps> We're doing <Wow>. it. <laughs> You're doing it, Peter. You're playing. <laughs> um, so uh, one day I had a bad day at work and I was like, I'm not going to work the next day. 
So I stayed home and I was like, I'm going to the library. <laughs> I'm going to walk downtown and get myself a library card. Oh, so I did. And I went to the library and uh, I, I briefly looked. I didn't take anything out, but uh, it wasn't as impressive as I remember uh, libraries being. Maybe this one's uh, just depends not on the library, great. I guess. But uh, there's other benefits. You can uh, rent books digitally for a month. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to leave my house. I can just be in my bed. Audiobooks too. Yeah, you can do that. There's a uh, the future is limitless. I Except, like it. I mean, there's a three week limit. But. I feel like that's something <laughs> like we've talked about the rise of artisanal culture, yeah. like in a derogatory term, hipsters. Uh, a lot of old fashioned things have come back into the oeuvre yeah. and, and regained a level of popularity. I don't know why libraries haven't come back, like especially like freeganism is a thing. Like, why wouldn't you want access to free books and media? They also have plenty of charging stations. Yeah, it's it's modern. Yeah. Libraries are trying to adapt to the modern era. It's difficult, they're when... but they're also they also have movies and stuff too. You can, yeah. So support your local library. Yeah. It's a wealth of free stuff. Great. <laughs> okay, fellas and listeners at home. <laughs> Today, I am trying to talk Jeff and Jimmy and you into my favorite book of all time, George Orwell's Animal Farm. Wow, this is your favorite Favorite, book of all time? It is. As a younger person, Orwell's always been my favorite author, but I would like to say 1984 because of its social relevance in the world that we live in. For sure. But in reality, the book that I keep coming back to over and over again, the book that brings me joy, sparks joy in my life, is Animal Farm. Okay. Um, it's a strange social satire that basically tells the story of the Russian revolution and its lead up and eventual failure through Stalinism. Um, it tells this story through the allegory of animals. Yes. Basically overthrowing the farmers and taking control of their livestock farm in England it's uh you got to put reality aside a little bit (laughs) and just go along for the ride it's super fun it's a super quick read um it's very insightful the way it handles not only the telling of the historical truth but also it's a look at the failings of different political systems and the way people usurp power and use propaganda as a means of control uh, it was very influential on my young mind and the way I view political systems in the world. Uh, I think Orwell masterfully rides this line of um, keeping it super entertaining with the use of humor and just the fairy tale nature of it. Um, as Jimmy commented off mic, the original subtitle for the book was Animal Farm, A Fairy Story. It is sort of like a fairy tale in the way that animals talk and deal with each other and have higher learning and things like that. Okay. Um, just to give you a little bit of background, it was published in August of 1945. Um, George Orwell is a self-described democratic socialist. So he believed in some socialism and some mm-hmm. socialist ideals economically and things like that. Um, but he was very hardline against Joseph Stalin 
and the dictatorship nature of Russian Stalinism at that time. Mm -hmm. And this was his sort of wake-up call. He wanted to package his viewpoint on why Stalinism was a failure and was not good for the people of Russia in a manner that was um, easily palatable to a wide market of readers, basically. Um, At this time in England... They were in a a wartime pact with the Soviet Union in order to basically defeat Nazis. They had allied with the Russians. And he was just saying, like, Joseph Stalin was a popular cultural figure in England at the time. And he was basically saying, like, hey, this isn't someone we should be worshiping. This is like a bad guy who just happens to have taken control of something that could have been great at one time. Mm. So... Yeah, there's not a lot to say. It's a quick read. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, What I'm going to ask you guys to do is read through the novel before our next episode. You can find it anywhere. It's one of the most popular books of all time. It's always highly ranked. Um, It was Time Magazine named it one of the best 100 best English language novels in 2005. It's also listed at number 31 on the modern library list of best, best 20th century novels. Um, it's won Hugo Award. It, it's it's just very well-renowned. So you could find this book anywhere. I'm sure it's available in audio format or ebook format. Um, give it a read. I'm also encouraging at least Jeff and Jimmy and maybe the people at home as well to check out an article on cliffsnotes.com after you read the book because it will yeah. be spoiler-heavy. Yeah. Um, I don't know how in-depth you guys are familiar with the history of the Soviet Union and the rise of Joseph Stalin. Not a lot. And the Russian Revolution and all that. Um, so, yeah, I just quickly found this article. I will publish it on the show notes of this episode as well as the prior episode. So check that out after you read the book. It'll give you um, some background information. It'll also give you there are some characters in the book, some animals that directly correlate to real life people. So Mm -hmm. it'll sort of draw those connections and tell you, you know, what some of the themes behind that are. Um, I think you guys will like it. I think, especially Jeff, I know like where he stands politically and, you know, he's into progressive politics. You know, I'm familiar with this, right? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm like, I'm kind of neutral in this episode. Oh, okay. Because I've read the book. I mean, years ago, I don't remember anything at all about it. Oh. I've read it and I saw the animated movie. I guess I should have asked what did. your exposure is to it. So yeah, that's my yeah. Exposure. You were kind of just going um, off there. I was, was going. You were on a good run, <laughs> and Jimmy has no exposure, so I'm like in the middle. Yeah. Um, I'm still gonna read it. Okay. And it'll be a good episode. It'll be good to revisit it. Well, maybe with the inclusion of the article and some background information, it will shed new light on it for yeah. you that you haven't experienced. Jimmy, I think you'll like it. It tells a good story, even if you don't make a strong connection to it politically. Yeah. It's, the last time you read books with animals, you were talked into it. So I think that <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh, yeah. And this is a little bit deeper than that, too. I have to... Just a oh, little yeah. hot take. It was like number 54 on the top 100 and Animorphs 1 through 52. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Gotcha. Um, but yeah, check it out. I think you will like it. If not, it's not a huge investment of time. Yeah. It's about as long as one of those Animorphs <laughs> books. Yes. Sadly. <laughs> no, Can we get 54 more animal farms? I wish eh. George Orwell was still alive. Yeah. And- no, I'm interested in it. Um, I'm pretty progressive um, through uh, politics and stuff, so I think it'll be good. Yeah. So um, what 
was the reasoning that you first got into this book? Like, uh, did you have to read it in school or was it recommended to you or? So I was a very nerdy child. Yes, you were. I and was for there. some reason, while Jeff was reading books about children becoming animals. Yeah. I was realizing that I enjoyed the classics. Yeah. So I read. Animorphs number one. Animorphs yeah, exactly. Two. <laughs> um, I read a lot of things in my personal life that we ended up having to read in school. Yeah. So I don't know how I heard about the book for the first time. Yeah. Probably because another really weird thing as a young, very young preteen, I was really into the history of communism. I don't know why, (laughs) but I read the communist manifesto in literally fifth grade. That's awesome. I was 10. Um, and uh, yeah, that had a strange effect on me, and somehow that turned into reading Animal Farm. Okay, we were eventually like required to read it, but yeah. I was the loser who's like, "Oh, Miss, I already read this at home for fun." <laughs> so yeah, so I read it that way, and uh, like I mentioned earlier, I used to tell people that my favorite book was 1984. Yeah, and it is really good, and I've read it a lot. But for those of you that know me, and I've mentioned on the podcast before, I have really a really bad memory. Yeah, that's true. So I have reread Animal Farm without exaggeration nearly once a year since I was in sixth grade. <laughs> so you're how old in sixth grade? 11, 12 years old? About that. 12, yeah. So that means that I have read Animal Farm approximately 20 times. Nice. That's impressive. And I have very little recollection of it right now. <laughs> But I'm sure I will love it as much as I always do when I reread it for this episode. I hope you do. So when we come back, we will have read Animal Farm and the Cliff's Notes article, and we will be spoiling the heck out of it. Yeah. I didn't know Cliff's Notes was plural. I've been saying Cliff Notes for my entire life. Me too. I think they're like Cliff's Notes. Huh. So there should be an apostrophe, but we can't do apostrophes. Cool okay. tangent. <laughs> Oakwa tangent one. Welcome back to the episode of Talk Me Into that you're listening to. It's the Animal Farm one, and we just read a book. Did you? We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> so we all read Animal Farm. I reread it. Jeff apparently reread it. Yes. From about 20 years prior. Very long time and ago. And Jimmy read it for the first time. I read it for the first time. For so hopefully you at home time. read it because we are going to spoil all of it. Every word of it. I summarized the entire book because I knew I'd forget it. I listened to an audio book. Me too. At an increased speed like uh-huh. I've been doing. How fast do you have to get through <laughs> it? It's 120 pages. Well, it was, it's five hours and it was less what? than that. You know. I don't know. It was the YouTube video. What was the original length that they were reading? It were like, old major. Is that how slow they were reading it? He was like, the mana farm, the mana, the mana. I was like, why is he saying mana? I was like, oh, manor. Oh, (laughs) yeah. He has an accent. Um, And I I took some notes at work and left them there by accident. Uh And I listened to it in my car where I did not take notes. So I printed out some cliff notes. Let's see if I remember. Because I was ready to go when we were going to record last week, and now so, I don't remember. So, Jimmy, why don't you skim through your uh, book report that you made <laughs> and just hit some of the plot points? Sure. That's literally how I felt while listening to this. I was like, Uh-oh. yeah, it's, this is school again. Yeah. So, let's go to that. 
Uh, Old Major is a pig on Jones's farm that gives a speech to all the animals that animals will one day need to rebel against man because Mr. Jones is a drunken farmer who treats the animals poorly and the animals are often killed relentlessly. Mm. He has a dream where he sees a world without humans and teaches them a song, Beast of England. And, uh, Will you sing that for us, please? Beast of England, beast of England. I don't know <laughs> the other words. Wow, you would have been killed like a <laughs> like a mule that doesn't carry his weight anymore. Oh, spoilers. Uh, after Old Major dies, the pigs, due to their higher intelligence, come up with a sort of philosophy called animalism, where all the animals are treated equally. Snowball and Napoleon are... Uh, who are acting like the leaders of the farm help plan the rebellion, though they're not quite sure when it's going to happen. After Jones drunkenly forgets to feed the animals, they go and get food themselves. After Jones finds them, he beats them, but is quickly attacked by the animal, other animals and is chased off the farm. See, I don't think that animals are treated fairly in, re- in the real world, right? So, like... The pigs, they have higher intelligence. Yes. But they're still used as food, and dogs are stupid, but you can't eat dogs. Dan, why can't I eat a dog? (laughs) Is my point. Stupid morals and culture. (laughs) Thanks. I mean, what do you want me to say? Dennis Leary has a great bit where he talks about the only animals that we want to protect are the cute ones. It's true, yeah. Yeah. It's true. All right, Jim, continue. So the animals are free and eat as much as they wanted. They want to keep... they want to keep Jones's house the way they that it is to keep it like a museum, and uh, Snowball changes the name from Manor Farm to Animal Farm. I've heard that name before. Yay! And they come up with the seven commandments of animalism. I don't have them all written down, but there are some prominent ones that I'm sure we'll get to. Um, it's revealed that Napoleon is stealing milk, and that it's meant for all the animals, and he is betraying the seventh commandment that all animals are equal. Oh no. But due to his use of propaganda, nobody seems to care. Yep. After the harvest on the farm is complete, all the animals try to get some sort of literacy, some of which are more intelligent than others, and Snowball dwindles down the seven commandments to four legs good, two legs bad. Which in the audiobook, listening to it at double speed, is hilarious. (laughs) Four legs good, two legs bad. Then the pigs are caught stealing milk, as Dan said, and in uh, apples as well. And they explain to the pigs that they need it more because they're in a higher position of power. They uh, need it for their brain to function so they can make all the plans. Yeah. So I have a couple notes that I wrote down. Um, when I first started reading this, I must say this made me feel like I was back in 10th grade and I had to overanalyze everything to fully understand the book. Um, really? It's pretty straightforward, in my opinion. I think it's there's two ways you can go about it. It's yeah. straightforward where you can just take the message. That yes. is the message. Or you can dig deep where like this animal represents this real yes. world person and this animal represents this world world. And you don't necessarily need that to enjoy the book and story and get the message. Yeah. But if you want to take that dive, you can. And I felt it, that we should for the podcast. And that's why I gave you that article. Yeah. Which I hope you both read. I forgot to read it. <laughs> I did read it. Um. I do like how literally everything in the in this book is supposed to be symbolic and relates to real life, like how animals are basically dumb and just listen to orders. Um, like they're, they, they're the proletariat. Yeah, they literally make a chance, so they'll follow the orders. Uh, all right, so uh, in Chapter 4, Jones is complaining to the other farmers about how his farm is taken over by animals, and he gets a rebellion together and is quickly run out again. Uh, I do like how there's 
spreading news about the uh, animal farm. Like they're sending out pigeons saying like, oh, we took over this farm, letting everybody know. I also liked how the people are spreading rumors around like that they're cannibals and they're going against the laws of nature. Um, Yeah, it's all about propaganda, baby. Yeah, uh, a lot of propaganda in this. Uh, One of the horses leaves Animal Farm to go live a more luxurious life. Uh, She is more, uh, what's the word, more materialistic. She liked nice things. She wanted bows in her hair. Yeah. She wanted to eat sugar lumps. So she goes over to the... uh, The horse trot thought. (laughs) I don't know what to say to that. Nothing. Just laugh and move on. Uh, Napoleon and Snowball debate about making a windmill. And Napoleon wins the debate by sending attack dogs on Snowball, chasing him off the farm. Napoleon says that they'll be building the windmill anyways, even though he literally peed on the plans. Hmm. Uh, as a reader, you can see what Napoleon is doing. He's basically making himself into a dictator. Uh, Napoleon is always right. Sounds like some of the crap that we hear people say now. Fake news, Jimmy. Fake news. And uh, It's almost like things change. Yeah. Um, I do like how Orwell observes uh, people and the actions, um, especially in that time. I'm sure a lot of people are kind of just like listening to the BS, taking in the propaganda, and Orwell was kind of the bystander observing everything and writing it down. The animals are working hard on the windmill, and the pigs move into the house and sleep on the beds in there. They rewrite the fourth commandment and pretend it's always been that. They start working on the with other farms as well, and then someone knocks down the windmill. Napoleon thinks a snowball, so there's a reward for his capture and death, which it probably wasn't snowball. Napoleon doesn't even believe it's snowball. It's just yeah. an easy scapegoat. Yeah. And uh, Napoleon and Squealer spread light. Also, I love that name, Squealer. Mm-hmm. Literally the propaganda maker. It's so good. Uh, spread lies about Snowball, saying that they have documents that say Snowball was in cahoots with Jones since the very beginning. Then he makes people confess to working with Snowball and then publicly executes them. They no longer sing Beasts of England because it's a it's a rebel song and presumably because they don't want the animals to be in a rebellious mood. Exactly. Uh, Napoleon is selling timber to Frederick's farm, even though there are rumors that he tortures his animals. Uh, after he tries to swindle Napoleon, he starts spreading death to Frederick. Frederick and his game trying to overtake the animal farm and destroy the windmill. Squeer calls the battle of victory, even though it clearly wasn't. <laughs> and Napoleon gets too drunk, fears that he's dying. But a couple of days later, he feels better. Squealer almost ca- also, Squealer was almost caught rewriting the commandments. They literally see him falling da- fall down. Off the ladder. Off the ladder with buckets of paint. And then people are like, oh, I wonder what could have happened. <laughs> it's great. Um, I like how Napoleon is basically making himself into like this godlike figure, naming the windmill after himself, only seeing, only being seen when he wants to be. He has poems written about him being seen publicly and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I did like how the pigs were slowly manipulating the general public. Um, it was interesting to see. Um, and it's pretty messed up that they're making uh, the retirement home into a barley field. For, so that they can make for alcohol. Beer. Yeah, I thought that was. So Jeff, what did you think about? Um, like one of the characters that jumped out to me was Boxer, the horse. Yeah, the big tough horse who was not the smartest, but he was like super devoted to yeah. Animal Farm, and uh, his mottos were "I must work harder" and Napoleon is always right. Did you see the correlation between what they were saying about him and the working class people who were like to- totally buying into communism and stuff? I guess, yeah. <laughs> 
Jimmy wrote a report and I, I barely remember it. Okay. Okay. Let's let's go to the last couple of chapters. Uh, pigs are becoming more first class than others. They're being taught in schoolrooms uh, that they have the right of way while walking and can wear ribbons uh, on Sundays only. Mm-hmm. Very important, just on Sundays. Uh, Boxer, the mule or horse or horse. What, horse. He's a big workhorse. Yeah, is injured while moving stone for the windmill and is taken away. The carrot says it's a horse slaughterer, basically, and a glue uh, manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And um, Squealer says, no, he's being taken to a hospital to be treated. And yeah. They just forgot to repaint the van. Yeah, exactly. It's and, like uh, North Korea. <laughs> and people just uh, ate it all up. And for the last chapter, years have passed. And a lot of the animals originally on the farm were dead. Um, the pigs are seen walking from their hind legs. And the commandments are changed to just one. All animals are treated equally. But some of the animals are treating treated more equally. Um, All animals are created equal. Some more equally than others. Yes. In a final scene, the other farmers tore the farm and praised Napoleon for what he did for Animal Farm. And the old ways were to be suppressed and Animal Farm will be renamed back to Manor Farm. And there's that awesome image of the human farmers and the pigs sitting around a table drinking and playing cards. Yep. And after a while, the animals cannot tell the difference between pigs and humans. Yep. Napoleon and Pilkington both play an ace of spades, and the animals can no longer tell the difference between pigs and humans. So uh, that's my book report on uh, that was, Animal Farm. That was a lot. Thank a you. A lot of notes. It was a lot of notes. So, so before we get into your guys' impressions and feelings on that, um, I wanted to talk a little about this article from Cliff's Notes that yeah, yeah. Jeff didn't read. I was skimming through just now. I did look at it before, but I didn't read it. I think that was the most I've ever talked on this show. There you go. Congratulations. <laughs> it's because I wrote an entire report. We're proud of you. I did also watch the animated movie from the 50s. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, so I consumed it twice and barely remember. <laughs> and still have nothing to say. Um, so Mr. Jones is modeled on Tsar Nicholas II, who was the last Russian emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, he was obviously the tyrant or was he really that much of a tyrant yeah who knows but people did not want to be ruled by him Mm -hmm. so he was overthrown um old major represents vladimir lenin who was the leader of the bolshevik party um that they seized control it was basically his ideas um on communism that are reflected by the principle of animalism uh old major is absolute in his hatred of men as Lenin was uncompromising in his views so that's definitely the correlation between them um snowball is representative of Leon Trotsky who was a Marxist thinker who participated in the early revolutionary things um he was eventually thrown out of Russia just like snowball was expelled from yep from animal farm by Joseph Stalin aka Napoleon mm-hmm um, so I don't know if you guys are super familiar with that, but he nope. basically rose to power through the Communist Party. And with the backing of the KGB, his secret police, which were the dogs, mm-hmm. he just basically like rewrote the Soviet Union to fit his needs and keep him in power. So, yeah, it's an interesting read. I think you guys should check it out, especially if you enjoyed the book. Mm-hmm. But now that we're talking about it, whether you enjoyed it or not, Jeff, what did you think of the book? 
I remember re- uh, really liking it when I first read it. Again, years ago. This was during my uh, my introduction into punk rock in the world of politics in a post-9-11 world. Yeah. And I was like, everything is wrong with the world. The people will stand united once again and overthrow all governments of the world. So reading Animal Fire at the time, you're like, wow, this is this is great. Mm-hmm. This is a great story. And um, I was also back then really into Leo Tolstoy, who is uh, also Russian. And it was, a lot of the stuff was happening around the same time, a lot of his uh, nonfiction. So I was I was very into everything at the time. And I even bought the, the, the cartoon that I just mentioned, I bought for $1 on DVD. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is great. Yeah, because it's like Disney-style animation, but it's like, you know yeah adult subject yeah writer. it mm. was it was pretty crazy um rereading it now i think it's no one's fault but my own i th- if i had sat down and actually read the book i would have uh retained it better mm-hmm. but uh just because of the way of the world it's easier to listen to audiobooks in yeah. cars or at work and i think i was just a little distracted so i didn't take as much from it as i thought i was going to maybe because i already kind of knew it and knew what the message was but uh, that's my overall thoughts. I, you know, mm. I don't want right. to say too much yet. Uh, I'll go into my overall thoughts um, as soon as I get to them in my notes. <laughs> um, it was interesting to see the world that Orwell was living through uh, in this book. It's kind of crazy, the everything that was going on in that time period. Um, obviously, World War II is just starting. And um, no. This was in between World War One and World War Two. Well, yes, but um, yeah, the, it covers the book a came really, out in '45. Yeah, it covers a really wide, yeah, yeah, yeah. range of time. Um, but um, but just that entire time period from right. from the early 1900s to 1940s, I suppose. Yeah, pre World War One. Yes, some would say. Yeah, um, the comparison to the real world and the relevance in today's society is a little frightening. <laughs> um, it's. Uh, like you said in the earlier part that 1984 which is a book that I've never read um, maybe you can talk me into it Hmm. Um, I know you said that that's even more so uh, comparable to uh, 2019 um, but um, we'll see Uh, (laughs) the problem is uh, this isn't typically the type of book that I like to read I do like plot character story adventure and it just feels like every line in this book is important and can be overanalyzed and i don't know i like to be like swept up in an adventure and this book is just kind of like yeah some animals are on a farm i mean they overthrow their human dictators that's an adventure yeah and and they do they do it in a way this could have just been a story about what happened yeah and it would have been super boring yeah albeit educational but it wouldn't Oh, yeah, I totally agree. This is an easy-to-swallow pill for everybody of most ages to consume. Yeah. So don't forget, when we talked in the earlier part of this episode, that this was sort of Orwell's take on a modern fairy tale. Yeah. And um, I think it's really interesting that he used a fairy tale-type setting Mm -hmm. to deliver hard truths and difficult um, ideas. Because that is a way that storytellers have used... um, fairy tales to communicate difficult thoughts and ideas in the past mm-hmm. so well, a, a quote that i found online that is worth bringing up is uh 
said Orwell began thinking about how he could best communicate his opinions on socialism and Stalin. His thoughts were ignited when he happened to see a village boy whipping a cart horse. At that moment, Orwell received the inspiration he needed to formulate his ideas into Animal Farm. Quote, it struck me that if only such animals became aware of their strength, we would have no power over them and that men exploit animals. Uh, end quote. I think that that's perfect for what he was trying to say with communism and socialism is that people do have power if they use it correctly. And going back to the question that I blanked on before that Dan asked me about uh, boxer being strong, like, yeah, a lot of people in those communist societies were like, if I, if I pull my weight, then I'll be fine. Right. But you see, that's not true. Mm-hmm. As soon as you couldn't pull your weight, you're discarded and you know, well, care. not only that, but your hard work and, um, your effort was not benefiting the group. It was benefiting. Now, in true socialism, it would. But because of the right. situation in yeah. Russia. Um, Unfortunately, in practice, it doesn't always come yeah. out. With, with Stalin should. in place and the way he used his uh, power to basically like segment the country. Mm-hmm. So the people within his own inner circle were receiving all the benefits and were living these great wealthy lives. And then... The working people were just still struggling like they always had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I'm just saying, personally, it's not the type of book I would typically read, but I'm not going to not deny it's a good book. Yeah, I'll agree that for most people, it's not like a fun summer beach read. Yeah. I actually have read it in the summer on the beach, but I guess I'm <laughs> a little course. strange. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so I think uh, maybe I should ask you guys a big old question. Big old question. Jimmy and Jeff... Did I talk you into Animal Farm? Yes. Oh, boy. You know, the after the same exact thing, what you said uh, about the last episode, at first it was a no. The next day I was like, why can't it be a yes? <laughs> um, overall, I, I did really like it. Um, it. It felt very boring to me in the beginning um, just because it's not really like a subject matter that I'm super interested in but I, I sort of got the the socially relevant topics um as i was going further into the book and uh talking about it writing it down analyzing it reading cliff notes or cliff's notes as we learned um but yeah overall i thought it was pretty good it will I give it a reread probably not but i liked it it's a quick read though yeah Maybe. You're ever thinking about it? I in mean, the future. obviously, this this subject and this book could be the topic of like a college course, and we're talking about yeah. it in like 20, 30 I'm minutes. I'm sure it yeah. is. Um, uh, because we're just a fun little podcast. <laughs> yeah, you uh, could analyze everything. I remember one time I had a discussion with someone over the imp- the reflection of religion to the Communist Party as it collates to the raven that visits the farm. Oh, oh yeah. We teaches did, all we the animals about that Brand the Broken. Yeah, dude. <laughs> teaches all the animals about Sugar Candy Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. And how you go to Sugar Candy Mountain when you die. Yeah. Um, I did like that part. Um, it's a yes for me because I did read it many years ago. Haven't read it since. Um, you know, I, I had no intentions to read it again. I think till I forced you to. Yeah, but I think that I I didn't consume it to the best of my ability. So I I do want to. Yeah, you re- did a crappy job. I did. I did a bad <laughs> job. Um, I, I was ready to go last week, and then I just forgot everything. Um, so I I do eventually at so one. So it's point, my fault. Yes. I'm not saying it is, but it is. <laughs> you want to say? Uh, I I will read it, and I think it's very important to for stories like this to continue on. Um, yeah. Even though like. 
yeah, Russia 120 years ago doesn't affect me now, but like it's the repeating the past thing that we seem to be doing a really freaking good yeah. job at. There's yep. a lot of people in this country that are watching Squealer on Fox there, News there and buying so all of it. so many Yikes. correlations to the, I mean, even when I first read it in uh, Bush's America, baby, yeah. I was like, wow, this is pretty relevant. And now today I'm like, this is super relevant frighteningly relevant it's it's almost scary at you could that article you posted you can just cross out so many names and just mad libs it with uh current u.s politicians yeah i mean it's about an autocrat taking power yeah yep so um that's why i said yes uh, i think it think it's an important part of uh english literature Will you read it to your future children as they lie in bed at night? Yes, I think that's important to indoctrinate them young. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I think it's the perfect fairy tale. I think that's why the cartoon is so good. Like, it came out in the 50s. Yeah, I'll probably have them watch a show like It's pretty good quality. Like, I did just rewatch it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this this is good. Yeah. Jeff, did I talk Lindsay into Animal Farm? I don't know. She wasn't home when I watched uh, the movie. <laughs> surprising. And I was listening to the book. And you the, probably uh, could the reel her in because you just have to say like it's about animals, and she'd be like, "Oh, well, that's like, true." One of the things I picked up on this time is Boxer and his best friend, the little donkey. I forgot his name. The mule Benjamin. Yeah, like I didn't know until recently that horses need like a donkey near them. Like right. because what like, does ho- that mean? Well, okay, so like horses, <laughs> they want friends, right? So do like, they? Yeah, if they're alone, they'll go crazy. I didn't oh, know that. Uh, cool. So if you keep the horses in the back by themselves, they're gonna go crazy. But Lindsay's horse, she has one horse, but uh, her her family's farm. Your wife, Lindsay, by the way. Yes, that is my. Usually, I say my wife. I don't say yeah. the name. My wife. Just, mm, my wife, Lindsay. Um, <laughs> they have a lot of goats and donkeys. Also. They bought uh, one donkey because they fight off coyotes and stuff. So, like, they're protectors. <laughs> the donkeys are protectors. Awesome. So, also, the donkey is, like, the companion to her horse. Uh-huh. So, like, I, I saw that. I was like, oh, shoot. That's why they're together because they're, like, boys. Oh. He's, the donkey is the rose to the horse's doctor. Yes. Oh. I like it. A horse doctor. <laughs> it's great. I'm the doctor. Yeah, and, and donkeys are pregnant for, like, a year, too. Okay. I know, like donkey facts. <laughs> we bought a uh, pregnant donkey. So next week we're talking into donkeys. No. Uh, what are we talking each other into next week? Oh, boy. We, Jimmy and I, yeah. Jeff. We're teaming up again. It's been you, a while. If you can't discern our voices by now, I am Jeff. I am Jimmy. Uh, th- well, that's Jimmy. We are going to be talking Dan into Black Mirror. Yeah, a oh, modern day is, Twilight Zone. Yeah, it's, I would say it's a spiritual successor to the Twilight Zone. And this was not planned, uh, but season five will be premiering like this week that we're yeah. recording. Yeah. So by the time the episode's out, season five will be out too. So we're uh, watch some new Black Mirror as well. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. We'll pick an episode. Uh, so we picked four episodes. Jeff and I kind of went back and forth. We tried to pick, um, uh, there's four seasons. We yep. picked one per season. They're short seasons. And I kind of threw a wrench in the works, too. Yep, you did. sure did. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that next episode. Yeah. Probably. So the episodes we're going to watch are uh, season one. I think it's episode three, The Entire History of You. Season two, episode two, White Bear. Uh, season three, I don't know what episode. I think episode one. Are we reading the same thing, Jimmy? 
I don't know. I have it in front of no, me. No, I wrote down notes. Oh, boy. Season three, episode one is correct. Yes. Uh, Nosedive, which is an episode that Dan actually suggested. And season four, episode one, USS Callister. So watch those episodes. We'll give uh, a little bit more detailed uh, explanations about why we picked them next week. But uh, watch them. They're good. Black Mirror, do it up. I'm looking forward to it. Everyone's been telling me about this show it's for great. years. Yeah, it's really good. And if you feel so inclined, check us out on www.talkmeinto.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter at Talk Me Into. Listen to us and review us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or whatever that's called. Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. <laughs> And uh, send us an email, talkmeinto at gmail.com. If you feel so inclined. Let us know what you think. Think about the show, a specific episode. We if, haven't gotten one email if yet. If we missed something. I know. If you have anyone, if, even if you're mad at us, are you like, hey, you guys should like anime and what Jeff said is wrong, or you guys are dumb because the Celtics suck and you should like the Lakers. Yeah, debate Write us. that in an email and we'll read it and tell you why you're wrong. Yeah. You're wrong, sir. And you can find me on Instagram at large hard on collider. I post some food and other stuff and I put up some talk me into things that you can interact with that people do interact with. Mostly me and Jimmy. Yep. No, oh, a lot of other, it gets, it gets uh, upward of a, a couple tens of people. Uh, Dan. Could, could be. Where could we find you online? Uh, could be uh, Danny underscore breakdown on Twitter. Oh, Tweeting everything from uh, memes, hot takes, uh, progressive politics, and uh, fart jokes. And you can also find my film reviews on letterbox.com under the name Danny Breakdown. How about you, Jim Jim? You can find me at Son of a Fitch, S O N N E V A F I T C H. It's my last name. That's funny, right? And uh, you can find me tweeting about uh, New Haven style pizza because it's great. And, uh, yeah, that's about all I tweet about and talk me into things. And uh, you can also find me on Instagram at uh, Son of a Fitch as well, where I post pictures of said New Haven pizza. It's true. He did it yesterday. He was at Delania. I, I did. like it. It was delicious. I like it, too. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into. What will we talk you into next? Big Bad Beetleborgs. Beetleborgs. I don't understand that <laughs> reference. <laughs> It's funny because, like, I also had a chili dog yesterday. I just remembered. Yeah. You had a chili dog last time you were here, too? <laughs> Probably. Oh, my God. I eat chili dogs a lot. <laughs> They're so good, though. You should publish a book, The Chili Dog <laughs> Only <laughs> Diet. <laughs> you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. <clears throat> animal farm time. I want to read through this a little bit before we start. Could we animal farm? <gasps> Holy f***. David for the pod. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, that Storm of Spoilers podcast I listen to refers to that type of situation as burning pod. When you discuss <laughs> things that should be on. You're burning pod right now. <laughs> it's true, though. That was recorded, so. Oh, you, it was? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> End of the episode fodder. Jeff's favorite part of our podcast is the stuff that doesn't make the podcast <laughs> and gets thrown on the end. Yeah, some of it's really good. Some of it's pretty funny. Some of it's not. Jim. Sorry. No, it's fine. I liked the Twilight Zone thing you did. Yay! <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you like me traveling back in time? I actually didn't listen to the second oh. one. It was funny. I'm going to. I just haven't yet. 
the sound of the DeLorean. <sighs> yeah. Pew, pew, pew. This comes out of nowhere, which is how it would be. 